Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. My name is Greg, and I'm a compulsive overeater. As I mentioned earlier, I live in Phoenix. I live near Phoenix, Arizona. I know you're probably all feeling bad for me right now because it's so hot here in Arizona, but you don't have to feel bad for me because I'm in Northern Arizona. I'm in Flagstaff. I don't know if anybody's ever been to Flagstaff in Northern Arizona. Pamela has, and I'm sure some of you other people have. It is about 30 degrees cooler here. So do not have any sympathy for me, but I have sympathy for those of you still stuck in the Phoenix area. Anyway, as I said, my name is Greg. I came into OA in 2006. Now it is 2022, and I am maintaining about a 50-pound weight loss in OA. I focus my program on working the 12 steps and the tools of Overeaters Anonymous. So as I just mentioned, I'm maintaining about a 50-pound weight loss. No sugar, unless it's really, really low on the ingredients list. No dessert, no junk food. I haven't had a bite of dessert since 2008. December of 2008. And I'll tell you why I remember that date very, very well. Because this was just before Christmas. And we were invited to friends in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now I live in Phoenix, so we drove to Albuquerque. I think we drove. Any event, we were invited to this Christmas dinner and the table was so beautiful. You know how people decorate for Christmas? I, not my religion, I don't do the Christmas decorations, but it was such a beautiful table. There was green, there was red, there was candles, there was this, there oh, absolutely, like in a museum. So this really nice lady put out some bread. And at the time I was eating bread and I took a bite and it was not bread. Apparently at Christmas time, some people have the idea that they can fool people and make cake in the shape of a bread. So it ended up being cake. And I could tell right away, and this is just when my abstinence started at the end of December, 2008. And I had been maybe absent a week. And I realized it was not bread. It was dessert. And so what I did was I took my napkin and I leaned over the side of the table and I actually spit out the cake into my napkin and hit it. And I did not eat it. That's how I remember that was the last time I had dessert. Now, just a side note is that we've never been invited back to their home again since 2008. So my advice to you is if you're invited to somebody's house, don't spit out their food. I don't care if you're a compulsive overeater or not. It's not a polite thing to do. So that's when my absence began, December of 2008. I haven't had a bite of junk food or dessert, sugary cereal. Right now, it's a little after 9 a.m. here in Arizona. And by now, prior to recovery, I would have had all sorts of sugary cereals. I lived my life in the cereal lane at the supermarket, 
and we can all relate to that, I'm sure, an entire aisle filled with cereal. Now, I wasn't smart enough to realize that the word frosted meant sugar. I figured, frosted, I'm not eating sugar. And I learned in this program that that's not the case. So I used to eat sugary, this is what it was like before. So I used to eat sugary cereal for breakfast. I would have a big fast food lunch. I would have sweets all day. I would have a huge dinner. And then the best time of the day was in the evening. And some of you know what that means. Best time of the day. That was dessert time. Seven days a week. No exceptions for decades. Decades. And I remember going to um, Las Vegas because we lived in Phoenix. So it's a five-hour drive to Las Vegas. And we would go multiple times during the year. I don't gamble. Almost never went to shows. So why did I, we go to Las Vegas? Exactly right. The buffets. Dessert time. Dessert time. Don't do that anymore. Isn't that weird? Haven't been to Las Vegas. There was a, uh, I take that back, there was actually a region convention in Las Vegas one time. Have not been to Las Vegas. No reason to go anymore. My program now is has evolved over the years since December of 2008. But a couple of things I remember from childhood. Now, I was never obese as a kid. In fact, I was really skinny growing up. I started to gain weight when I was about 23. When my first child was born, my wife gained a lot of pregnancy weight, of course, which is normal. And she lost the pregnancy weight. I too gained the pregnancy weight. But I never lost my pregnancy weight from that time on. And my weight just kept going up and up and up. And I kept eating and eating and eating for decades. And finally, it all caught up with me. I'm 66 now. So what was the, how old was I? I don't even remember anyway, in 2008. So I must have been 52 or something like that. 2002. No, uh, I came into OA in 2006. I was 50. And one of the reasons I came in, my wife was nagging me, yes, but also I was not allowed to buy any larger clothes. <laughs> she pays the bills. And so she wouldn't let me buy any larger pants. And uh, I got to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't hide them anymore. You know, I, would have, I wouldn't be able to button them. So I would leave or zip them up or whatever. So I would leave my shirts hanging over and get an extra large belt and kind of hide it you know, hide my stomach that way. I also couldn't close the collar. I would, was wearing dress shirts and ties back then. Couldn't close the collar. So I'd buy larger and larger. And then it got to a point where I wasn't allowed to buy larger clothes. So I bought these extenders around the neck. I don't know if any, I don't know if women have that, but some guys may relate to that where it actually extends the opening. But I realized they only sell those up to a quarter of an inch. And a quarter of an inch neck size is about two pounds. You know, so I couldn't buy any more shirts, couldn't buy any more pants. Uh, we were members of a hiking club. And on Saturdays, we're supposed to go hiking. My wife went hiking and I stayed at home. I couldn't do it. Instead of hiking, I went to In-N-Out Burger. And I remember this very well because it was very traumatic still. 
people in In-N-Out Burger on a Saturday were not eating alone in the back of the restaurant. What I noticed is they would come with their family. They would come with friends. They were having a good time. I was in the back by myself with a huge meal. Now, I'm not stupid. I brought stuff with me to read, work stuff. So people would look at, oh, that guy is doing work. No wonder he's eating by himself. Not that anybody really cared, but that's what I thought was happening. And I would leave. And I had tears in my eyes almost every time. Because I couldn't understand why I was eating all that crap while I was fat. And I was not able to go on a hike with everybody else. But guess what I did the following weekend? The same thing. I never took lunch from home. Never. I never took, some people take left. Oh, I have leftovers from last night's dinner. And I have them in a little Tupperware container. And here's the little half of this. And I'm going to have this half that I didn't finish yesterday. And I brought it to the office. And I have my apple. You must be kidding me. That never occurred with me. Ever. So what happened was, this is, I was living in Prescott, Arizona at the time. Uh, and then I moved back to Scottsdale. And I went to a meeting in Phoenix. And at that point, I realized I needed a sponsor because my first two years, 06 to 08, I used OA as a social venue. It was a small town I was living in. There was nothing to do in the evening, not even a Starbucks. So I'd go out to the meetings, socialize. You know, the very first meeting I attended, I knew OA was for me. Very first meeting. You know how I knew OA was for me? Because across the way on the table, now I'm, I'm married at the time. Well, I still am, <laughs> as far as I know this morning. Anyway, across the table was this really pretty young woman, well, about my age. And we got along really well. I said, well, this is a good program. You know, I like this place. I can look forward to it on a, to go to these meetings. And it's, I still remember. I still remember the first meeting because she said probably one of the most profound things that I've ever heard in Overeaters Anonymous. She said in my very, very first meeting, she was sharing. And she said, OA and recovery is all about relationships. All about relationships, she said. And I could relate to that because you know what? If my wife did this, if my kids did this, if so-and-so didn't do that, I would have no eating problem. It was all about relationships. And why is that so important to me to know, to realize and remember that? It's because I think she was wrong. Now I think she was wrong. It's not about relationships for me in the plural. It's about a relationship singular. And that's what I base my program on as best as I can. I have reminders on my phone about it. The relationship is with my higher power, and I choose to call, it, call that higher power God. So that's what I learned the very first meeting, is that it's not about, and this is my story, okay? Having good relationships is fantastic, obviously. What I realize is the most important thing that makes my relationships work to begin with is to have a strong relationship to my higher power. 
with prayer and meditation and many of the other steps. And lately, I have forgotten that. And the amount of prayer and meditation reduces and reduces and reduces. And so I put mem uh, reminders on my phone to pray. I have it down every three hours. What I need now is a reminder on a second phone to look at my first phone. Because I still sometimes ignore reminders on my phone, recovery reminders. So I'll never forget the time someone said, uh, I, I was making a commitment because one of my triggers in the evening uh, that makes me think about food, I don't have dessert or anything, but it's spending too much time on my computer like this or on my cell phone. So I decided, you know, I'm a pretty smart guy. Okay, I went straight through elementary school. I was never held back one single grade. Then I put a reminder on my phone to not look at my phone. And it was pointed out to me, I said, Greg, you see something wrong with that? You see something wrong with having reminders on your phone to not look at it? And it occurred to me that that's probably not the best recovery technique that I can come up with. So maybe that's why I can blame this person. Maybe that's why I don't pray as much as I should. Getting back to what happened was that I went to this meeting in Phoenix. I needed a sponsor. And there were two guys in the room that I thought might be a good sponsor. They had what I had. They had what I wanted which was very strong. What I wanted was to work the steps through the big book. So I interviewed them as if I was interviewing them for a, for a job. So I only had one question that I really cared about anyway. And the question I asked is, do you require your sponsees to weigh and measure your, their food? Do you require sponsees to weigh and measure their food? And one of these potential employees of mine said, no, I don't require sponsees to weigh and measure their food. The other one said, yes, I require sponsees to weigh and measure their food. So which sponsor do you think I hired? Exactly, the one that said, you do not have to weigh and measure your food. This was 2008. And guess what? I weigh and measure my food. A lot of that was from nagging from a mentor of mine who has since passed away. His name was Gary, G-A-R-R-Y in San Diego. And he used to always tell me, Greg, get a scale, get a scale, get a scale. So I always, I got the scale and I put it in the cabinet and I never opened the box. At least he didn't nag me anymore. And he said, are you using the scale? And I said, no, I'm not willing to use the scale. So he always asked me this question. He said, Greg, what are you not willing to do for your recovery? And I can still remember him saying that. What are you not willing to do for your recovery? Because I know for me, I always said I'm willing to go to any lane, right? Everybody says they're willing to go to any lane. It says it in the big book on page whatever. You know, we call it step zero sometimes. And it says that through all the, you know, so many places in the book. It says, remember, at one time you said you're willing to go to any lane. And you said, yeah, right. Okay, Greg, what are you not willing to do? And that rings true today because I'm gonna share a couple of things which I don't really want to share about. In any event, back in 2008, I started working through the big book. I lost the weight. I do, as I said, I do all the service. I do uh, 
I did step tens a lot, past tense. I, le- I read step, uh, you know, follow step 11 on awakening during the day. I follow that pretty closely. Uh, during the day when facing indecision, that's on page, so page uh, 85, bottom of page 85, the big book talks about step 11, prayer meditation, retiring at night on awakening. When faced with indecision throughout the day, we pause when agitated, etc. And step 12, uh, practicing the principles in all my affairs, which means at Five home. minutes left. Thank you. Which means at home. Yes, it means at home too. What it's like now, I shared that I'm not doing the 10th step as often as I used to. I'm not being as rigorously honest about my food as someone shared just a few minutes ago, saying whatever they ate, they tell somebody. You know, I commit my food in the morning, but sometimes I have a little more of this, a little bit more of that. No cookies, no cake, no hamburgers, but maybe an extra fruit here or there, some extra dressing, whatever the case may be. And I'm not being rigorously honest about it, like I used to. I'm not, as I said, doing the 10th step as much as I used to. I'm not praying as much as I used to in spite of messages on my phone. There's a number of things I'm not doing like I used to, which I used to do for many, many years. Now, mind you, when it comes to the tools, you can check every single box. I can check every single box. On the, there's no problem whatsoever. And I do a lot of the steps too. But I'll tell you something that's crept back into my program is step one, powerless over food. I think now that I'm powerless over about 95%. Some people would say that's not abstinent. You know, if you commit to one teach and you have two, I have a little different, I mean, my definition of abstinence is a little bit broader than that. But what I've also noticed is that my definition of abstinence keeps getting broader. And you know what else has gotten broader? I mean, you're thinking his waste, and you're right. So what I'm learning right now, because I put on eight pounds in the last year, I'm still technically at a healthy body weight, you know, according to my doctor, my BMI, I work out a lot. I just did a tough yoga class. I hike, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What I'm realizing now is I've got to do something differently. And I don't want to. You know, I think, hey, I work out a lot. What the hell? I can eat. At least when I was younger, as I said, I'm 66. I can eat whatever. Never showed up. So it's, it's, you know, I may be redefining my app. Well, I probably will be redefining my abstinence. And I don't even want to share this stuff, you know, to a whole bunch of people, something I should keep privately. My guess is that, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be helpful to other people who may be sharing the same experience. It's an insidious illness. People always used to say to me, one teach, 
come on, you're not going to gain any weight. But a lot of people would tell me that, you know, that leads to a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, a little less honesty, a little less willingness. And I, I think that's where I am today. So something has to change for me. And I'm glad I'm invited. I still consider myself abstinent according to my expanded, <laughs> notice what I'm saying there, which uh, is a clue right there, my uh, expanded definition of abstinence. Uh, I can come up with all sorts of excuses. You know, I could tell you that I was in Singapore a couple a month ago for a couple of weeks because my 38-year-old daughter has been diagnosed with breast cancer and has just started chemo. And I can say, well, that's a reason to eat. I could say, this is a reason to eat. That's a reason to eat. I haven't eaten cookies, so what are you bothering me about? The point is that this program works. It works. It still works for me every single day. I'm not binging. I'm honest enough to admit that I need to do some changes. And the program, I encourage everybody to come to this program and do the steps, get a sponsor, read the big book, I know my time is just about up, and by all means, the number one relationship that I have to focus on is my higher power. It's not relationship in here. I know what's good for me and what's not. It's my relationship up there, and that I learned in my very, very first OA meeting. And with that, I will pass today. And thank you for inviting me, Madam Secretary. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with anyone after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have questions, please click the raise your hand icon and we will stop at 9.50 for some announcements. I believe that uh, Alice, would you like to go first? Uh, yes, thank you for your share, Craig. Um, I have two questions for you. Number one, would you mind um, posting your contact number if that would be okay? And number two, how many meetings um, are you going to a week? Do you find that are helpful uh, to go uh, per week? I'll post my contact information. And then your second question was, how many meetings do I go to per week that are helpful? Yeah. Yes. There's a difference between how many meetings a week I go to and how many weeks I go to that are helpful. And that's something I'm looking at right now because I typically go to three or four meetings a week. So I may, I'm going to look at those and say, okay, which meetings are helpful? I can go to 22 meetings a week, but if they're not helpful and everybody is struggling with the program and binging and doesn't work the steps or whatever, then for me, what's the point? So the key operative word is helpful. Thank you, Alice. Roz? And by the way, lower your hand when you're done uh, speaking. Okay. Um, it's Greg, right? Yeah. Greg. It is. Um, thank you for your share. 
I got a lot out of it. And um, I love that about helpful. What I wanted to ask you is um, prior to you like moving around a little bit with what you've been doing um, when you were at like what, what you feel was what you were doing was like what you really felt was really working the program the way you'd like to. What were the things that you were doing? Like your practice in the morning and did you have a practice at night? I'd love to know. I think the main thing that, thanks Ross. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing for me that I can point out is the 10th step during the day. And here's the irony of the whole thing. My car license plate says 10th step. You're saying, well, how can he put so much letters on a license plate? It says 10THSTP. 10THSTP, 10th step. And that stares at me every time I get in the car. And now I'm oblivious to it. You know, because I'm going to have to change my license plate so I can notice something else. Maybe I'll just say pray or whatever. So um, I do 11, I think very well, 12. And the powerlessness and the honesty about the food has kind of, but so I think that is a big difference as well. And being a healthy weight for so long, I figure what, you know, what's the big deal? And a little bit of this, don't be so, you know, be more flexible. And I do yoga to be flexible. I should do yoga to flexible eating. What's the difference? I hope that answers your questions. Cheryl? Hi, Greg. Thank you for your lead. A um, couple things. I just want to tell you that the thing that was most difficult for you to share is the thing that benefited me the most, and that is broadening your abstinence and maybe putting on a few pounds. I heard you share a couple of weeks ago and I walked away from it feeling like a loser because you haven't had dessert since 2008. This is true. I actually shared about it in another meeting. My disease made me negatively compare myself to you. And now I feel so much better. You've inspired me so much more. We're in this together. It's a 24 hour daily struggle. We will have this addiction forever. So again, I want to thank you. The next thing I want to say is I've been praying for you and your daughter since I saw your other lead a couple weeks ago. Literally, you're in my thoughts and prayers every single day. And I have a question about that. Obviously, you experience pain because of that. You're going to cry. I would like to know, practically, when you have that pain right now, being helpless about your daughter, what do you do right now when you experience that pain? We're told to, to feel the feelings. What do you do when you felt enough of that pain? Um, you know, I, 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 I know I can quote the big book back and forth. Okay. What the intense pain is Uh, you know, I hear the word acceptance and I read the acceptance prayer all the time. What I try to do is to turn away from, yes, feeling like I am feeling now, 
and try to be helpful to other people. So no matter what the pain is, the only thing I have found, yes, I can pray. I pray all day long. And the, what prayer does for me is allow me to release the feelings, but I still need to do something with those. And then to be helpful and supportive as much as I possibly can. So that's kind of the one thing is to reach out like you're doing right now and uh, accusing me of ruining your life for three weeks to reach out and try to be helpful to other people because I, I do have a lot of pain in that area. I mean, 38 years old. And if I had looked in the dictionary, you had looked in the dictionary under the word healthy, you would have seen her picture. And it doesn't mean she's not healthy. So what I try to do, and I'll end on this, what I try to do is explain to her, you know what? You're not cancer. You have a physical body that has an illness. I have a physical body that has the illness of compulsive overeating. Sometimes I struggle with the definition of saying, I'm a compulsive overeater. No, I'm a physical body. My, there's a lot more to me than that. That's a spiritual discussion. But my body has an illness. And the solution is in my heart and my soul for the physical illness. So I also try to remember that. I hope that helps. A lot. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cheryl. Nancy? Hi. You're from Mighty Phoenix. You've got the one of the oldest members of Overeaters Anonymous there, Bev. Um, my name is Nancy Beecham. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've been abstaining for 46 years and have 150-pound weight loss. And with that perspective, my question revolves around the fact that I used to hear our founder, Roseanne, screaming at us at meetings, when in doubt, leave it out. And if you're thinking about it, you probably got to work on it. It's probably, you're thinking about it, it's something you got to look at. And um, my, so my question is, she often talked a lot about service. There's two things I didn't hear you talk a lot about, because I believe I'm here 46 years because I could pause my problem and go into service. And the other thing is about being happy, joyous, and free. Do you ever go to the park and just swing on a swing or do you do once in a while I go and read to kindergartners? I mean, I, I do a, a lot of things, you know, because otherwise I would be one of those people complaining at those meetings and I want to come here and spread joy. Thank you. I love it. I love those questions. I'll do it. The second one first, do I ever go on a swing in the park? I don't go on a swing in the park because I have bad memories of when I brought my little young daughter to the park and the swing hit her over here and she still has a scar there, you know, so, so I don't go near swings. I learned a lesson, but I do go to the park and you say happy, joyous and free. I am happy, joyous and free. Absolutely. The definition of that may be different. I go to the park and I can sit and meditate and listen to music and put my headphones on. And I love that. I love going out to take long walks in nature. So that, all that combined makes me happy, joyous, and free. And as far as when, I do a lot of service, as far as when in doubt, leave it out. Great advice. I don't always follow it. Marcy, Marcy S. Morning. Thank you, Greg, for your service. Um, I 
have been in OA for a couple of years now and haven't um, haven't experienced a, a long bout of recovery. Um, so I'm really inspired by all of the recovery here. That said, um, I do hear a lot about relapse in this in these rooms, and I am struggling with the um, I guess the rigidity of the program and the sustainability. Um, even one day at a time seems not sustainable to me. Um, and I'm, it feels a lot like a restrictive diet and, you know, been there, done that. Um, and I'm just curious how you look at this program differently from a restrictive diet. Marcy, that reminds me of what a gentleman in LA always used to share at the birthday party, which I miss. He used to talk about people that have flexible food plans. Maybe he still talks about it. People have a flexible food plan. In other words, the opposite of rigidity. I have a flexible food plan, let's say, if I were saying that. He said, that's not what people are really saying. Some of you already know where I'm going with this. It's not that they're, you're saying, like, I have a flexible food plan. What I'm really saying is I have flexible honesty. I'll leave it at that. Deb? Thank you, Greg. Can you talk about being abstinent and traveling? I know that you no. talked a little bit about Singapore, because this is one place that you've really helped me a lot in, um, is the traveling. So thanks, Greg. I do do a lot of traveling. Good to see you, Deb. Deb and I know each other well. Uh, I do do a lot of traveling. And I do a lot of preparation for the trips. My wife is superb about doing a lot of cooking ahead of time. So we bring a, even on the airplane, I, I wrote an article about this that was published in Lifeline a couple of years ago. And, um, about the preparation I do. The key is preparing ahead of time. Bring my scale. Uh, and it's not just about the food. It's making outreach calls to where I'm going. For example, where I am right now, one of the things related to traveling. I looked in the um, on OA.org and I found there's a meeting in this small town. So I made some outreach calls here and then I went to an in-person meeting. The trick is though, to make these calls ahead of leaving my home and put the meetings on my schedule ahead of leaving and make outreach calls before I go, which I did when I went to Singapore. I reached out to a lot of people in Singapore prior to leaving for Singapore and joined their WhatsApp group, Singapore OA. So if you ever go into Singapore, they have a great WhatsApp chat group. And I went to a couple of meetings there. The main thing is doing advanced preparation, calling, putting meetings on schedules, researching restaurants, making sure I have a refrigerator, uh, knowing how to pack on a plane, taking food on the airplane. You can take anything frozen on an airplane, and that includes ice. Yes, it includes ice. Ice does not have to be dumped before going through security. So there's lots of different things, lots of different techniques. And feel free to send me a text if you would like a copy of that article that I wrote for Lifeline that has all my tips on there as far as uh, traveling my phone numbers on the screen. Thanks, Deb. 
We have three more minutes if anyone else has a question. Or you want to yell at me or criticize me or give me some good advice, I'm open for anything. You know, like my prior mentor says, I'm willing to go to any length. And that includes willing to listen to anybody on this meeting. So Lisa has some good advice for me, I'm sure, than Tanya. Tanya. Hi, um, I'm Lisa Compulsive Overeater. Um, this is the second time I've been to this meeting and I just wanna see how wonderful it is. And um, I wanted to ask you, sorry, I look like a mess. I'm dealing with three little boys for excuse the noise in the background. Um, how do you deal with the night eating? I'm really struggling with, I'll just make it short because one's having a tantrum as you can hear. How do you deal with the nighting? Cause I am so stressed out with dealing with twins that are three boys and a six year old by myself. My husband works graveyard and um, I'm over 300 pounds. Um, I've been back in the program about a year and I'm just really having a hard time with grazing and not eating at night because once I get them to bed, I just wanna, it's not even just what I'm eating. I'm just trying to find anything to eat just to eat my motion. So I'll, I'll leave it at that and turn off my volume. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. I don't think you're trying to find something. Well, you are trying to find something that's uh, called ease and comfort. In the doctor's opinion, I would suggest reading that, which has really been so helpful to me. Um, it's not that I'm looking for a cookie. I'm looking for that sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once from eating that cookie. So when I'm really stressed out, and I can certainly hear in the background, there could be some reasons to be stressful. I have kids too. It's that sense of peace, serenity, ease and comfort, which comes. And the quickest way to do it is to binge at night. I mean, it's like instant. So I really pay attention to the doctor's opinion. And uh, I've gone through the doctor's opinion multiple times with my sponsor and with sponsees. And I think that helps me really understand really why I'm eating. Not so much what, but why. And that I have to address first. And then I, once I know why, I know what the solution is. Somebody higher than me, higher power than me. Tanya, you'll be our last, let's see, uh, maybe Andy, but let's try Tanya. Thank you. And thank you for your share. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, your action plan, like how do you, uh, do your day, so to speak? I, you said, I'm, I'm very, I'm a little new to it. And then, so you commit your food. I'm not sure. Can you just talk about that a little bit? And then also, um, like, uh, um, I guess scheduling, like how do you schedule your program throughout the day? Does that make sense? It does, Tanya. I don't have time to answer those right now. So if you'd like to send me a text, my number's on the screen, we can chat a little bit about further. What I will say, my interpretation of action plan means to move my, to take physical action, to move, to get off my butt and move. And that's what action plan means to me. To get out, even if it's a five minute walk, that's what action plan means to me. 